Hi guys, this is Jamil here from Hamburger Generation, Jil Al Hamburger. Before we start the episode, I'd like to tell you that Hamburger Generation will be taking part in the Sikka Art Fair this year in Dubai, UAE. We have been handed a four-hour program on the main stage of Sikka by Dubai Culture. Our program is packed with storytelling, panel discussions, music, and short films. So make sure to come out and check us out on Sunday, March 17, between 6 to 10 p.m. at Sikka's main stage, which is in Al-Fahidi Historical Neighborhood or Bastakia. We hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hamburger Generation Jeel Al Hamburger. On today's episode, we have a guest all the way from Saudi Arabia, Abdullah Al Sabban. He's joined us to share the most dramatic story I've ever heard and possibly the most dramatic story of his life. Enjoy. Okay, Abdullah, so by the way, I'm pretty excited about this because this is our first episode where we have uh, someone from Saudi Arabia and our number one listeners are from the country of Saudi Arabia. Mashallah. Great. Shout out to Saudi Arabia. For Woo-hoo. sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Also, this is like our first episode where genuinely we have been approached by somebody who has come to us being like, Mm. I have a great story to share. Usually our stories come through like people of people of somebody that knows somebody. Yeah. So this is 100% driven by Abdullah. So Abdullah, thanks a lot for reaching out. No, yeah. It's really a pleasure. I look forward to this episode and it's a pleasure meeting you guys. Yay! Even though I think it's been a while since we planned for this. Yeah, it's been, oh, it's been a few months in the October, making. October, <laughs> is it? Was it October when we met the yeah, first time? Yeah, I believe that? so. Around then, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the podcast forum, yeah. Middle East podcast yeah. forum. It might have been end of September, September 30th. Something like that. 29th yeah. to be specific, maybe. Because it was like World Podcast Day the very next day. Yeah. 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 Good memory, Yasser. Mashallah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cool. so Abdullah. So you had approached us yeah. saying that you have a great story you would like to share. So um, I graduated as a microbiologist. You know, don't ask me why I went to microbiology, but I went to microbiology. <laughs> what, is, what is microbiology? So it's a science that looks after small organisms like bacteria and viruses. Um, so you study those things and see how they impact the body, impact you know animals, uh, plants, and stuff like that. So it's a very scientific, microscopic... Uh, okay, so it's like biology, but like the really, really small sm- stuff. Yeah, things that you don't see with your eyes. Okay, <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, I studied it. After that, I graduated, and I worked in a company, co- a company called uh, GlaxoSmithKline. So it's a pharmaceutical company, one of the leading pharmaceutical companies in the world. And they have a factory in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Now, in the factory, I joined as a management trainee, um, I worked in the quality department, quality assurance, about a year. Um, after that year, it was training in all the different functions. Then I was moved to work in manufacturing. So it's the same facility. They have a manufacturing area. Um, I did manufacturing for about another year. Okay. Then uh, a new opportunity came up uh, when the site director, he asked me, you know, what's your five years goal and mm. 10 years goal? Where do you want to be? 
So I told him, you know, from having no experience, said, okay, so in five years, the biggest I can get to would be like a quality manager. And in 10 years, I'm going to be sitting in your place. Oh, yeah. yeah. You said that to her? I said that. <laughs> nice. Pretty ballsy. So, yeah, he was British. And so he just started smiling and laughing and saying, okay, cool. How are you going to do that? I said, well, I'm going to take every opportunity I get uh, to prove to you and to the organization that I can do it. I said, okay, good luck. You know, we'll try to support you. <laughs> May the best man win. Exactly. <laughs> In your face, you know. Um, and then this opportunity came to go for a Lean and Six Sigma training in the UK. Okay, uh-huh. a training. Training. Okay. So a training program where... It's when, pretty famous, right? The Lean Six Sigma? Now, yeah, a lot of people talk about it in, even back in the days. And I'm talking about mm, 2001. Oh, so okay. I started working back in 1998. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I, I was eight years old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All um, right. So Abdullah's got a few years on us. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so I went, they, they, he told me this is the training that is going on in GSK. And, you know, we don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's more about improving how we work. It's about efficiencies and, you know, developing the, the company. And you said you're looking for any opportunity to build your career. I said, okay, I put my foot in my mouth this yeah, time. So <laughs> um, I said, okay, and I started going on that training. So this training uh, was in London. So we have to go to London for a week. We spent that week in London uh, to get the training workshop. Then we come back to Saudi for three weeks to implement what we learned. But Mm -hmm. this is an exciting thing, though. It is, of course. I mean, like, even as a person just going to London for a training, it sounds very exotic to me, at least. Like, oh, going to London for a training for a week. Or were you, like, not excited about it? You get excited, and then when you realize they put you in a hotel next to the airport far, mm. far away from London, it's oh. like, no. <laughs> okay. okay, fine. So the reality is a little different than absolutely. my imagination. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you open the window and you see airplanes coming down in Heathrow Airport and leaving Heathrow Airport, so it wasn't that much of fun. Okay. And you know, when you go on a business training, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m., so by the time you finish, to take a taxi and pay a hundred pounds to go down to London or take the metro or underground, mm-hmm. it's taking Your you beat. about forty-five minutes to get there. So mm-hmm. by the time you get there, you don't have time to do anything, and then you have to come back. So, yeah, it wasn't that fun. Um, so I started going, spend a week, come back, implement what you learned. So the program was six months. Mm-hmm. On the fourth month, I was going there, and I was a bit sick. Okay. So I had the flu, so I had to take some medication. So this medication I took, it was like, uh, makes you drowsy and you want to sleep. Well, okay, so went on, you know, in the back end of the economy class, empty chairs, took about four seats in the middle, and I just went to bed. Okay, so you take the medication, pass out for the flight. That's yeah. your plan. Okay. And you were lucky enough to be sitting on a chair with no one next to you. Yeah, you know, because it wasn't during summertime. So mm-hmm. it's like normal Nobody school days. So the planes are empty, not a lot of people mm-hmm. on the airplane. So you're just like lay back and enjoy the ride. Well, not enjoying really. I was sick, so I just wanted to sleep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I was totally knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting part was that when we landed, nobody woke me up to put my seatbelt on. 
So, you know, you're sleeping on like four chairs, nobody next to you. But the plane lands and nobody woke me up to tell me that we're landing. Mm -hmm. So first thing is like, why nobody woke me up, you know? And you look out of the window and it's dark. So normally uh, when you land in London, it should be like five in the afternoon. So that's still daylight in London, you know. Mm. So, okay, this is not normal. Looked out of the window and it's total darkness. So it's like, this is not London. And we're in an airport and it's dark. So normally in an airport, you'll see other airplanes, lights. Gave it a few minutes, you know, looking out. And then you see jeeps driving to the airplane. So this is different. What the hell? Exactly. And then when they're closer to the airplane, you know, the lights on the wings? Yeah. Yeah. So you can see the jeeps and they're like military jeeps. So it's not a normal airport jeeps that are coming to the airplane. So we sit, I don't know, nobody's moving. Um, How are other people around you? Everybody's just sitting quiet, not knowing what's going on. People are just curious. Curious. Okay. And the flight attendants, they come back and say, you know, just keep, stay in your seats, keep your seat belts fast and don't, don't move. Okay. We stayed like that for almost an hour and a half. So uh-huh. like, what's going on? You know, nobody's talking. They're not opening the door. We're not in London. And I can remember it very clearly right now. The, the captain came up and said, I'm sorry to inform you, but the plane is hijacked and we're in Baghdad. Oh, my God. And this was 2001, (gasps) which was just after the Gulf War. Oh. And I was going to London, and I was born in the States. Mm -hmm. So I have an American passport and a Saudi passport in Baghdad. In Baghdad, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine. So you remember when they tell you you see your whole life go in front of your eyes? Yeah. I've seen that. Uh Uh, So it was like... Okay, now, if you're in a hijacked airplane, the odds of getting out of it are not that good. You looked this up? <laughs> well, when from, oh, past, from experience. past experience, <laughs> from TV. You know, I remember watching sometime in the 80s when some people hijacked an airplane uh-huh. and they started killing people. So they would open the door of the airplane, they shoot the guy and then push him out of the airplane so this is what you're thinking of so that's what you think like you know what crazy stuff could happen who could come in they can shoot the plane shoot the airplane the the guys what anything can happen yeah who's gonna be the scapegoat and but all you know right now is that the plane is hijacked you don't know by who no you You didn't see any suspicious characters nothing and the the pilot all he said was I'm sorry, I regret to inform you, but this plane is hijacked, full stop. And we're in Baghdad. No, he told us where we are. And we're in Baghdad. That's it. Yep. Okay, and left the rest to your imagination. Exactly. Then Hollywood movies came in. So Hollywood movies came in. You see your life. (laughs) Um, My daughter was one years old at that time. And for me, it's like, okay, so if we get out of the airplane, would I ever get out of Baghdad? Mm, It's like a double... So yeah. it's two things. So, you know, if we get out, that's the f- easy part. Mm. The second <laughs> is the most difficult part. Oh, you know, after the Gulf War and all what happened, how would they just let you go yeah. to go back to Saudi? So literally, you think about all the movies you've seen that had 
people in uh, in jail and torture and mm. yeah you know, everything bad that you can think about is going through your head and at the same time okay what are my parents doing and how am i going to tell them that i'm on an airplane that is hijacked so you know there's no mobiles during that time so basically i took uh, there was mobiles but i don't think the rooming was working at that time mm. so i remember taking the phone in the in the plane and mm. you just swipe your credit card yeah. and i called my parents house oh okay and, and everything was working like you could make yeah, calls yeah you can make calls okay so it's like i called them and my dad answered and i said dad i'm on the on the airplane and it's hijacked and it was like he they already knew because they were watching it in, on TV for the last three hours. Oh, wow. So we were, when the plane was flying and it got hijacked, it was announced on the TV. Oh, wow. So you can imagine, you know, my parents, they were watching a football game between Saudi and Kuwait. And <laughs> then this news come up that, you know, a plane was hijacked and everything went crazy. Right. Um, and you were sleeping through it all. And I was sleeping <laughs> because the, the, the hijackers, when they took the plane, they wanted to land in Egypt. Uh-huh. And Egypt said no. So then they went to, uh, I think, Syria. And Syria said no. Mm. Uh, Jordan closed the runways that they cannot land. Oh, wow. So you can imagine my parents going through watching all of this. And my mom is just thinking, okay, what if the gas finishes? You know, mm. the plane can fall. What's going to happen? Whatever. But then you can imagine when they say, okay, the plane is going to land in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. like your parents thought for yeah. them what how that's it was the it? worst like place you could you pick. can you can pick to, to land an airplane yeah um anyhow so i talked to them um to my dad i talked to my mom um uh, my wife went to her parents house during that time when i'm always traveling so she takes my daughter and they, she goes to her parents house um i called her i told her you know hopefully everything will be okay you know wh- what can you say in that situation just at least you call her you talk to her for the last time Yeah, uh, in case you never get a chance again. Yeah. Um, and after that, I remember that, you know, people were trying to call their, you know, loved ones and stuff like that. And phones were not really working very well. And we stayed there for about another hour and a half in the airplane, uh, just waiting, not knowing what's what's going to happen, what's the issue, what's the situation. How, how was the reaction of... The other people on the plane, like when the when the pilot made this announcement, um, were there people like you know, anyone freak out? I just want I you mean, to imagine this. Imagine yourself in an airplane, but when the captain said it, it's like everybody was in shock that it became so quiet. Mm. You know, you can feel that nobody's even breathing, that like this cannot be real. And everybody just was quiet, totally quiet. And it stayed there, you know, like that for a while, like a couple of minutes that everybody's trying to realize. Shock. The shock. Is mm. this real? Um, or, you know, you always think, am I dreaming? You know, am I still asleep? Is it, you know, you, yeah. you try to find anything just to make you feel better or that this is not real. This is not happening. Um, so, yeah, it was really, you know, those, I think that hour and a half was the longest hour and a half of my life. What are the thoughts going through your head during this hour? Like, what are the things that you're thinking of? Well, what am my wife going to do? What are my parents going to do? Hmm. How would life be without me? You know, uh, what my daughter, you know, she will grow up. She will never see her dad. She'd never know who I was, what I did, anything like that. Hmm. Um, But yeah, you you know you you just 
realize how much stuff you have. Yeah. And how everything can go just in one second without yeah, even planning it and how fast it could happen. Yeah. How fragile it is. Yeah. It, it really, it's, it's almost like an opportunity to reflect on your life. <laughs> Yeah, did you did you have that like when I get out I'm going to do this. If this happens I'm going to do this differently. You you think about that, but trust me when I say that situation you didn't have any thoughts of if this goes well. Mm. I would do this or that. So you were certain that it's not going to oh, yeah. go well? Yeah. I was certain I would never see my parents again or my daughter or my wife. So actually those calls were goodbyes. Yes. You were saying goodbye. Yes, absolutely. Because You know, when you think about it, there's two steps, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, two stages to get back and see your parents or your loved ones or mm. have go back to your life. And, and for me, the odds in my head, you know, at that, you know, I, I was like 24, 25, something like that. So it's it was not that easy for me to realize that, no, there is hope and things yeah. can work out. And, and for me, I, I remember that saying that if I get out of this, you know this is these are the things i would do for me at that moment it was like it's too late to think about that yeah if you wanted to do anything you should have done it before right. <laughs> not now yeah. so um so yeah it was oh my gosh what a uh, dark place to be in mentally yeah yeah, yeah. that especially the two steps thing you're right like mm -hmm. okay i get out of here and i'm fine and all Then that what? but Then I'm in Baghdad and... How it's gonna turn out, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what is the situation in Baghdad? I mean, what you're saying that... I mean, maybe I, I don't have a strong background on the situation. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and why you were concerned so, as an American-Saudi citizen? So you can imagine the war, the war that happened. So Baghdad uh, or Iraq went into Kuwait. Then the, the Gulf War started and... A lot of killing, a lot of stuff happened over there, and it once it was over, so Iraq was under a lot of uh, pressure. They cannot do anything. They cannot, you know, uh, interact with other countries as they used to. So they were like beaten up. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine if you beat somebody up and then you send him his child and say, "Okay, uh -huh. they're please bring them back." Yeah, <laughs> they're looking for ways to retaliate. Yes. Yeah. So okay. the. So so yeah that's that was the situation and, and you know that pre-American uh, the, the Americans entering into Iraq. Yes, yeah. So so yeah so that was the situation at that point within the you know the airplane. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sat as I mentioned an hour and a half waiting to see what happens. You know when you're in the airplane and then they open the door the sound you hear like you know the air pressure is changing and you open you know you hear the outside So they open the back door, and you can see soldiers walking in. Mm. And I cannot forget his voice saying, "Marhaban bikum fi baladkum al-thani al-Iraq." And it's like you can feel it going through your, you know, soul. Like, okay, yeah, like the nicest words to hear. Right? No, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but see, they were walking in soldiers, uh, and this guy had, you know, a big ranking. Uh, so he came in and they said, welcome. Uh, the situation is under control. Everything is okay. Okay. So that gave us an indication that, okay, the hijackers part is done. Yes. Uh, this is what we knew later on. So yeah. there was one guy in the cockpit with the captain with a gun. And the other guy was in the back kitchen 
right. with a gun. So they were controlling the airplane, like one from the front, one from the back. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so they uh, surrendered. They went out. So when they came in, the soldiers, they said, we're going to take you off the airplane um, to the airport just so we can check the airplane. Mm-hmm. So after the Gulf War, the, air, the airport was not working. So there's no runway. There's nothing that is, you know, usable. Mm. So nobody, there are no airplanes coming up or down or anything. And I told him, well, why do we need to go to the, you know, to the airport? Let's just stay in the plane since you got them out and we can go back. Yeah, we can said, leave. no, no, we have to check if there's a bomb or there's anything. Because when they surrendered, they were in a conference and saying that we have remote controls and we can blow up the airplanes. Now, the good thing they were saying that, but we were already getting off the airplane. Mm-hmm. So they took us off the airplanes, took us to the airport. In the airport, they had um, doctors waiting for us. They had um, cupcakes. Oh, uh, really? I, I cannot forget those, you know, like <laughs> cupcakes. Of, um, all, of all of the items they could possibly bring, bring they're like, cupcakes. they probably want cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and like wrote on it, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, soft drinks like uh, are you which passports are you holding at that time Both. in your pocket? Both, Both. the Both. American and the Saudi. Yeah, and uh, what were you thinking? Like, what was your game plan? Like, if they ask you, hey, you where are you from, and what was so your game that, plan? That, that that's what's going through my mind the whole time. And when we got to the airport, it's like, okay, we need your passports. Mm. So okay, blue or green, blue or green. Oh, so man. okay. Green is more safer. So give them the Saudi passport yeah. uh, for now and yeah, see yeah. how it goes. Uh, so, yeah, I gave them the green passport um, mm. and they took all the passports. And I remember there was a guy, a couple of guys from Pakistan with us. And um, they were talking to one of the high ranked people in the airport and saying, since we're in Baghdad, can we go and visit the grave of I don't know who, you know, which guy that Mm. is, you know, well known guy who's buried in Iraq and said, yeah, sure, we can find you some time to go and see that. And like, what? (laughs) I want to get on back on the airplane. Let's get out of here. And people were like, no, how can we, you know, tourism opportunities that since we're in Baghdad, let's just go out and have some fun. Yeah, see, this is how you do business yeah. travel. <laughs> Not you go to London and you don't go to the downtown. You got to enjoy every moment. <laughs> every moment. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> we, we, we stayed there in the airport. Um, they gave us the, you know, the food to, to eat or drink. Uh, and then they said, okay, we need to take you to a hotel. Mm-hmm. What's said, the time? This was like 8 o'clock at night. Okay. And I said, well, why do we need to go to the hotel? You know, since, you know, we've done, you have the guys. Let's, uh, they said, well, the airport has no lights and the plane cannot take off right now at night. So you have to stay over. And again, in your head, it's like, okay, so this is the plan where they take you out of the airport. Then they pick who they want to keep and then send everybody back. Yeah. We get to the hotel. Uh, they take us to this big conference room. Um, dates, coffee, you know, welcoming, dinner. And, and that the whole time, you know, for me, it was like, no, I'm, I, I just want to see how this is going to end. You know, yeah. when are they going to, you know, take us and stuff like that. You can't relax. You can cannot you? relax. And I remember they said, okay, we're going to uh, put you in pairs and give you your rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping in mind that our bags are in the plane, so we don't have any clothes with us. 
um, they put one Indian guy with me and they said, okay, this is your room. And we went up to the room. Uh, that guy, he went into the shower, took a shower, put on his same clothing, went into the room, put his head and went to sleep. Relaxed. Relaxed, you know. What can he do? For me, it was like, okay, so they're going to come now. <laughs> the countdown. Be pre- yeah, be prepared. And I remember um, I was sitting on the backside of the, the room door. And every time I hear somebody walking, I would stand up and look at the, you know, the eye hole and yeah. say, yeah. okay, is there somebody come to take me? And you see that just the soldiers because they're just, you know, protecting us and making sure nobody's coming to our rooms and they're just patrolling and walking, walking by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sitting there, I didn't even take my shoes off. You, you know, I can imagine that you, yeah. do, you, you don't do anything. Attention. The tension was unbelievable. Um, and I remember just sitting there and just, you know, you, you don't think. You just wait for something to happen. Mm. And until I started seeing the light coming underneath the curtains. Mm-hmm. So I knew, okay, it's daytime. So got up, got up went to, and opening the curtains. And it's, you know, it's a scene I would never forget. You just open the curtains. It's just about daylight coming up and... Baghdad is like the city that is like nobody. You know, it's just a city. You just see houses. You don't empty. see empty. Mm. Now, on the way to the airport, you we were driving, you know, on the buses. They took us in buses. And, and each bus, you had four soldiers with machine guns. You had patrols around the buses. But it was a ghost town at night. You wow. know, very small lights on the roads. Going through just streets that are empty, you see some, you know, um, results of the war and, you know, houses yeah. being, you know, bombed and stuff like that. But it was just a ghost town. Nobody on the streets. Nobody. Literally this nobody. This was at night, around 9, 30, 10 o'clock mm-hmm. when we were going to the hotel. And the craziness is that you're not just talking about any city. You're talking about a city that was so vibrant, like Absolutely. Baghdad. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So... I just started walk, watching, you know, looking around and seeing the whole city in front of me. And, okay, so this is Baghdad. Okay, is this my final destination? You know, is this, the, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you start imagining yourself here, that this is, this is home. This is what's going to, you know, what you're going to ever see for the rest of your life. A while later, it was like 7 o'clock, I went down to the reception and of course, the reception was full of reporters, full of police, full of, you know, everybody was there waiting and just wanting to see the people coming down. And then you see people starting to come down and they say, well, we have breakfast. Um, I remember that was the first thing I ate. And it was uh, a hard boiled egg because you know that's the only thing they cannot put anything in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is like attacking the buffet and you're like the one who's like, yeah. how can they kill me? And like, absolutely. You know, they can give you something to make you drowsy. You wake up in, you know, diff- you know that's the problem with watching a lot of movies. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> you get all of these terrible stories so in your head. How come you were so untrusting of the situation? I mean, the military's there, reporters are there. Why are you feeling still? You're feeling like they're still coming to get me. I don't know. It's, you know, unmaturity at that stage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear of the unknown, 
um, the situation of what happened yeah, the during shock that of it, time. Yeah. Oh, everything, everything, yeah. you know. And again, I think I, I, I used to worry a lot at that point, you know. So you keep on thinking of all the bad things that could happen. It's it's very difficult to be optimistic in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah it's like uh, if a hijacking of a plane, if I was in that, then the odds of like this like the people of this country who like apparently are not okay with the people of my country yeah yeah i'm like right in the midst of it yeah, yeah. yeah something could happen yeah. yeah and okay i have two questions uh where there weren't any other saudis with you in oh the- yeah they were asking for masil if what? there's a cafe they can sit and have <laughs> shisha <laughs> I can, I swear to you, you know, those guys were like, there was a bunch of guys and said, okay, is there shisha here in the hotel of, can we, you know, and they were playing cards and stuff like, they were taking it very, you know, like, okay, so this, the bad thing is over and it's just a matter of time until we get back. So other Saudis who were just asking where's the, if there's a shisha place. Yeah. Yeah. And they they had made it. They're in the safe zone. Yeah. They're in the safe place. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Mm. Uh, The interesting (laughs) stuff, you know, the guy who was, I think, worst terrified than me was a young young saudi prince that was on the airplane oh wow and they treated him like vip so when we went down uh to go to the hotel he had a separate you know vip car with guards around him and you know he was treated in a very professional way wow so um and yeah you know they gave him a suite uh, you know he's a prince so they treated him as a prince uh, at that point uh, but I, I guess he would be more terrified than because he's a target. He's a target, yeah. much if more than anyone. So yeah, we stayed there for the rest of the day, and um, they asked us if you know they gave we gave them our uh, parents, you know, the, your loved ones' uh, phone numbers, so they can call them, and if they get the connection, they can transfer the call to you. Okay. So I remember in the lobby sitting there with everybody and waiting, and they called my name. Uh, so they were calling my name. So I went and the guy who was on the phone was actually um, one of the members of GSK, the company that I work on, saying, you know, we called you through a number of different embassies to get to the hotel. Just I wanted to say, are you, see if you're safe. Do you need anything? Do you want us to send you somebody from in Iraq to, to bring you anything? I said, no, just call my parents, tell them that we're okay. That's so nice of them. Absolutely. I mean, what they did was uh, amazing. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on. Mm. Um, After that, they said, okay, it's time to go to the airport. Great. (laughs) That Uh, must have been a very long, like 30 hours for you. Absolutely. How was the night just sitting there all night being tense, waiting for the sun to come up? I can't imagine. Uh, The longest night. Seriously, it was the longest night, um, you know, because by the time I was in the room, it was around, um, I think, midnight. Yeah. So it was like about four or five hours until the sun came up and we started to, you know, get down and stuff like that. Um, interesting enough, by the time they told us it's time to go to the airport, we they brought our luggage at that time. So, you know, we took the luggage back on the buses. They took it to the airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, to the airport. The airplane is there. Now, the problem was by the time it was delayed, by the time we got to the airport, it became dark again. Uh-oh. Oh, so, so it was like Maghrib time. So how do, how are we going to take off if they said yesterday we cannot take off because the airplane and all that stuff, there's no runway. Anyway, got on the airplane. Then they told us, okay, you need to come off the airplane again. 
because you need to identify your bags before they load it on the airplane to make sure there's no unknown bags of the bombers or the hijackers or anything like that. We went down, identified the bags. They put the bags back on the plane. Everything is good. (laughs) Get on the airplane. And we started moving. So like, close the doors. Good. We're going to take off. Now, the the airport doesn't have any lights. The runways don't have any lights. So, you know, in the camera, in the, in the airplane, so you yeah. see in front of the airplane, yeah. Yeah. there was a car. So the car with sirens, and it was just driving in front of us. And we're going slow, just, just like, what, what, you know, going behind it. And then we, the captain said, okay, we're on the runway. We just need to check if this is the long or the short runway that we can take off from. Oh, my God. So we had to drive like physically drive to check the runway to check the runway if it's okay he can take off everything is good yes okay they said okay this is the wrong runway we're gonna go and check the other runway we went to the other runway checked it it's good okay okay so can you imagine this guy the captain was flying with like no control visibility visibility, nothing he just need to get to the right speed and take off yeah Mm. Uh, we went back to the beginning of the runway. The car cleared the way. <laughs> Bismillah. And he took off. Yeah. Bismillah, all right, yeah. yeah. Now, until that moment, I was saying, okay, now they're going to send a missile behind us. Oh, like, oh, you know, they're going to blow up the you're plane. You're still in this? Like- <laughs> I, I was still in it. I just couldn't really get over it that it's, <laughs> oh it's, it's done missile. or, yeah. <laughs> Now, you really watch too many movies. I do. <laughs> I do. So we fly up and on the radar screen, you see the plane coming down from, you know, going south to enter Saudi Arabia. Now he goes all the way down and then he makes a U-turn and goes back up to Baghdad. Why? All the way back to Baghdad? Yeah. So you see it in the map. He goes down, then he turns around and goes back up again. Uh, what? Why? See, you think, why? What's happening? Because the missiles? <laughs> well, then the captain says, uh, we cannot fly direct because there's a no-fly zone between Saudi and Iraq. So okay. we have to go through Jordan, and from Jordan, you have to come back to Saudi Arabia. So That's make like a, a full circle. Yeah, yeah. So we go up, we go into Jordan, we get into Saudi Arabia. And at that point, the captain said, okay, we're entering the Saudi aerospace. Alhamdulillah, everything is fine. The way the captain said it tells you that he was under a lot of pressure and he couldn't believe that we entered the Saudi yeah, aerospace. He was relieved. He was relieved. Oh my gosh. So I thought, okay, it wasn't only me. <laughs> Somebody else was also, you know, terrified like me. Um, we get into that aerospace, the Saudi aerospace, and I take the credit card, call my dad. Dad, everything is fine. We just entered the Saudi aerospace. Alhamdulillah, great. Now, what's the next thing I tell my dad? What? Can you check what is the next flight to London so I don't miss my training? Oh! Are you serious? <laughs> and you can imagine what my dad said to me at that <laughs> point. <laughs> and I said, but dad, this program is really important. And I don't know what's, what's going through my head, but you know, it's like something unbelievable. Yeah. He said... Okay, let me see what I can do and I'll call you back. Because they were taking us back to Riyadh, not to Jeddah. Mm. So uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. about 15 minutes later, uh, I call him again. 
and he connected the on the other line the factory manager you know so the boss at that time and he was telling me you know forget about the training come back home and sit with your family we will you know send you again later another time and and all that stuff yeah so yeah i gotta make that training it's a 7 a.m tomorrow yeah (laughs) um we land in Riyadh, the VIP treatment, uh, you know, a lot of princes were there, uh, doctors, medics. Uh, I remember my uncle, uh, he, he was there, uh, and my aunt's husband was there. Um, they greeted us with flowers, TV, press, everybody was there, you know, everything is okay. And they, they asked us, okay, who wants to go to London? Uh, there was one uh, lady with three kids and her husband is in London. So she was going to her husband and she went through all of this by oh herself. Insane. So a lot of people went back to London. I I said, I want to go back to Jeddah. And I remember when they we got on the other airplane back, going back to Jeddah, um, you know, s- sitting. So they put us in first class, like, you know, you know they... Oh, oh yeah. Live yeah. it up, live it up. Live it up. <laughs> and I cannot, you know, forget it. So I sit down and the guy next to me is holding a newspaper yeah. and he's opening and reading the, the topic. And my picture holding my daughter was like a quarter of a page what? on the newspaper. <laughs> And he he looked at me and then looked at the newspaper. I said, I told him, yeah, that's me. And of course, you can imagine the whole trip was me telling the story again (laughs) of what happened Um, until I get back home. And, you know, my parents were in the uh, airport, my wife, my daughter, you know, all the family. Um, And I remember asking them, so what went, you know, what happened at, at the house when you knew about this? And uh, I remember my parents saying that it was almost like, you know, when somebody dies, well, where all your friends and relatives, they all show up to your house. Like grieving. And my parents were saying, you know, there are people that we didn't see for the last, like, you know, 20 years since they were studying in the States mm. who came, you know, my friends, their friends, family, and everybody was there, like, you know, supporting and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I spent like a week uh at home with my parents and 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 uh, be- because we were going to london for that week's training and from london we were traveling to canada mm. for another uh visit to one of the best sites in in glaxo in canada so um a week later i was on an airplane and flew to canada so you back on planes Back like on planes, yes. It did yes. not deter you. Yeah, a lot of my friends told me, you know, you should have made a lot of money from that <laughs> situation. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was um, it was really an um, you know an, a life changing experience I that bet. you go through, that you appreciate everything in life. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We would also like to send our salutations to Iraq and everyone involved in ensuring the safe return of all the passengers of this hijacked flight. Don't forget to check us out on Sunday, March 17. We will be in Sikka Art Fair at Bastakia, Dubai, UAE, with a jam-packed four-hour program from 6 to 10 p.m. See you all there. (laughs) 